Good morning. Happy Easter. Man, I think most of y'all look really pretty. Tell you what, absolutely. Um, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us this Easter. Uh, we know that there are a lot of many, a lot of different churches you could have went to. In fact, there's a lot of things that maybe not even go to church and just hang out at home. And I just want to say, if you've not been to church in maybe a year, two years, five years, twenty years, and you decide to show up today, I want to say welcome. Um, we're not going to judge you. Uh, in fact, we're just like you. Uh, we are dealing with our own problems, our own junk, our own trash in our lives. And um, we're just like you. In fact, uh, we're in this series called Hoarders where we're talking about holding on the trash. And uh, the whole reason we chose doing this one around the Easter time is just to let everybody know that just because we go to church and just because uh, we call ourselves Christians doesn't mean that we're perfect because we're far from it. Many of us, we hoard and we hang on to anger and bitterness and fear and hatred and a lot of this stuff that just junks up our lives. So I just want to say welcome uh, that you're in a good place uh, and you're in a safe place. I also want to say this as well, uh, because it's Easter, many of you, you know, you came and you brought friends and you brought loved ones. And um, we actually have had to close uh, quite a few of our children's environments. And I just wanted to just spend a little bit of time and tell you why we do that here at One Church. Is one of the things that we, are, one of the things we do and we talk about here at One Church is we don't just babysit kids, we don't do childcare. That we teach our children, and because that's what the Bible tells us for us to do, is to be able to train up our children. So um, the reason why we say, okay, instead of cramming sixty-one-year-olds in a small panel class with two people in there, number one, it's not safe, but number two, um, they're probably not going to learn anything. And uh, so I know some of you, you have your children with you. And uh, just to let you know, we're going to be, you know, we're just, we're going to laugh right along with them. And when they start crying, I'll start crying and you start crying and we'll all be crying together. But it'll be good times. It'll be fun. So thank you so much for your patience. And uh, as always, if you guys would like to be able to help serve so that we can own up more children's environments, you're welcome to do that as well. All right. Uh, Today we're talking about bitterness. Talking about bitterness. And I just want to say this. You know, we've talked about anger last week. We're talking about bitterness today. uh, Next week, we're talking about fear. And then the following week, we're talking about lust. And as we're talking about all of these different things, uh, I just want to say what's so cool about the Bible. In fact, this is the reason why I get excited about being a Christian and reading the Bible. Is the Bible says that even though you may be a certain way, you may be an angry person, you may be a bitter person, you may be all of these types of stuff, that you don't have to remain that way. That you can change. In fact, we get this from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. And this is the one verse we're going to be coming back through all of this series and it says this. What's those first three words? Get rid of. The Bible believes and God says that you can get rid of all bitterness. How many of y'all, you know a bitter person? Maybe somebody sitting beside you. Y'all are going, that ain't me. All right, I I don't want her mad at me. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander as well as all types of evil behavior. The Bible says that we can change. That just because you grew up uh, with a mom or a dad who has anger problems or bitter problems or whatever, all the stuff, that you can change. And that is good news. Now, here's the thing about the whole bitterness thing today. 
you, I'm going to say, you may know somebody bitter, and some of you are going, I just wish my mother-in-law was here to hear this. That's where some of you are at. I understand that. All right? I wish my mother-in-law was here to hear this. <laughs> anyway, um, some of y'all, just, I wish my husband was here to hear this. I, I, wish, my, I wish my daughter, and, and, and we can spend the entire next 30 minutes of us talking and conversing and around God's word saying, I wish someone was here to hear this. But let me tell you, you're here to hear this. Because all of us have been bitter from time to time, myself included. All of us struggle with anger. And as we're going to talk through, you're going to realize and you're going to, we're going to spend some time digging down into your life. And at the end of the day, you may think, you know what? I am bitter. And I'm going to say, you know what? You can get over your bitterness, but you're going to have to do something radical today. And it's going to sound easy, but really it's hard. But it's radical. And that's the fix for bitterness. All right, this is where we're going to go. Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. If you have one of the One Church Bibles, uh, we give those away for free. You're welcome to open that up. It's going to be close to the end of the Bible, to the right. And this is what it says about bitterness. By the way, the thing about bitterness, bitterness is like poison, but you drink it. We want to poison other people when we're bitter, but really we drink the poison ourselves and we kill ourselves. This is what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says. And we looked at this verse last week, something similar. It says, make every effort to live at peace with all men and to be holy. And so we looked at this last week because we said, you know, make every effort. That means go the extra mile, do what you can. But really, at the end of the day, you can't control other people's actions. There's going to be some people you're not going to get along with. And it may be your mother-in-law. All right. It may be a co-worker, but the Bible says is you need to go the extra mile. Get, make sure to live it at peace with everyone. This is what it continues. It says this. Make every effort to live at peace with all men. See to it that no one, what's that next word? Misses the grace of God. We're going to come back to that. And that, let's say these next three words with me. No bitter root. Make sure that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The thing we're going to learn today is that bitterness has a dangerous root. That when we have bitterness in our lives, it it, it takes a hold of our lives like a root does. Now, let me give you the equation of bitterness. It's simply this. Hurt plus anger equals bitterness. How many of y'all have ever been hurt in here? That's everyone, all right? How many of y'all have ever gotten angry in here? On the way to church, right? All right. I already heard one lady came in. She says, listen, I'm sorry I'm late. There was a bunch of trailers coming down Trenton Road. Any of y'all were behind those? Some of y'all are angry right now, all right? Just go like this. Breathe out. See, it feels good, doesn't it? All right? All right. Now, so when we, get, when we have hurt... And we add bitterness, uh, excuse me, hurt plus anger, it always gives us bitterness. And see, where, where bitterness takes hold of is when we have a heart in here that we don't properly deal with hurt. And we add some anger and that root starts to grow in the soil of our lives. We start to, now think about this, we absorb the hurt, right? In fact, what do roots do? Roots absorb the, absorb the nutrients from the soil. They take in water from the soil, and that is exactly what hurt and anger does in our hearts. If we don't take care of it the right way, we absorb it, 
we absorb it and it just and we start storing it. And anytime we absorb and store hurt, it will always lead to a bitter root. Now, let me tell you what the Bible has to say. The Bible says, the Bible, that love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, let me tell you, though, what bitterness does. Bitterness keeps a record, right? In fact, some of you, you have lists and you keep it in there. In fact, let me ask you this. How many of y'all ever spent time driving in the car and you're talking to somebody who's not there? You're having an imaginary conversation with someone. I mean, you have that imaginary conversation with somebody. I, you know, I should have said this, and I would, if he would have done that, I would have. And, and then, and you think of those zingers afterwards. All right. I mean, that's how I am. And and and, and there's some people, you know, well, they think of the zingers immediately, and that's never a good thing. All right. But we have those imaginary conversations, and we keep those lists. And the Bible says, love keeps no record, but bitterness, it has all kinds of records. It has long spreadsheets that we keep up to date and we have these conversations with people. Now, let me tell you the big problem with roots. The first problem with roots is this, is where they're found. You know, if we're going to talk about the bitterness has a root, roots are found someplace deeper. They're found Below the soil, they're secretive. You really can't see them. They're not obvious, right? I'll tell you. Right now, because of the rains, I don't know about you, but I am mowing a lot of lawns. All right, my lawn in particular. And in my wonderful lawn, I have beautiful daffodils. In fact, here's my lawn. All right, some of you, when it rains, you have this beautiful grass that sprouts up. I get this. It's amazing. All right. And um, as you pick these dandelions, a lot of times I'll go out and like my kids, I say, go get some dandelions. All right. This is what they got me. Love that. Now, here's the problem with that. I can go through this entire field and I can pluck the tops of these dandelions. But what's ha- what's going to happen? It's going to grow back. I said, you got them too, huh? All right, right, see, you can take the tops of them and they're going to come back. Why? Because you got to get something deeper. You got to go to the root. In fact, that Don Henley song that that as you came in, if you heard, you got to get down to the heart of the matter. That's where the root's at. It's below the soil. You can't see it. It's secretive. And that's where roots grow. Roots are always below the ground. That's the first problem. And the second problem is this one. In this next slide, and here it is. Roots always produce fruits. Right here. Here's my dandelion, and here is the seeds. Some of you are going, all right? Excuse me. Um, Here's the thing. Roots always produce fruits. Always. Now, see, what we can do is we can say, I'm going to get to the dandelions later. And if you leave one dandelion in your yard, in a week, you're going to have 874. I counted. All right? And the thing is, if you just, if you just grab the tops of them and you can say, see, it's all good. My yard's good. And see, some of you, that's how you've been doing with your bitterness in your life. Something will crop up and you say, oh, you know, well, I'm just going to, you know. And you just grab the top of it and see, I'm good. Well, you're good until next week, right? I mean, that's what your spouse says. That's what your employer says. That's what your friends say, right? But see, you got to get down to something deeper. You got to get to the root because roots will always produce fruits. There's something going on beneath the surface. And really, Jesus says, 
What's going on beneath the surface? It's not just the actions, it's the heart. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 12. It says this, a tree is identified by its... How do you know an apple is an apple tree? Man, see, y'all are, y'all are some good folks. All right? If a tree is good, its fruit will be... If a tree is, its fruit will be... For whatever is in your heart. Now look at there. Whatever is in your heart will determine what you say. You see, your biggest problem is not that you keep on saying the F-bombs and you say all of these four-letter words and all the struggle. And see, other people say, you need to stop saying that. You, you know what? You do, but here's, there's something, something deeper going on. It, the, Jesus says, what is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. You see, it's a root issue. The, the, the words coming out, those are just the dandelions, all right? They go everywhere. It's like, and that's how our words are. We're like that dandelion, went, and we blow it, it goes everywhere, right? It affects everything. But what Jesus says, it's not just the words. It's something deeper. It goes where? The heart. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the morning We're going to be talking about in Jesus' most famous sermon. Because this entire series, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Then last week we said the reason why it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because Jesus preached it on a... It's crazy, isn't it? How the Bible just kind of fits together like that. All right? He's preaching it on a hill. He's preaching on a mount. And in Matthew chapter 5, this is what he says. This is so cool. It says this. Matthew chapter 5 says it this way. You have heard that the law that says punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But look what he says. But I say, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. What Jesus is saying is whatever that's in your heart is going to come out. Now, it's, it's something. And he did this pattern last week, and he's going to do it next week. And then we get to that. He says, he quotes the Mosaic law, the law that Moses gave. Y'all remember Charlton Heston, right? You know, the, the 15 and 10 commandments, the whole... Some of y'all may not be, um, all right, that's all right. Anyway, you can take the whole Charlton Hester thing. He brings up the Ten Commandments, right? And then, all right, so he's quoting from the law of Moses. And in fact, in the first five books of Moses, three times is the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is mentioned. And really, this, uh, it's not only found in the Bible, but it's found in many different cultures. And let me t- and I explain what that, what that looks like. It's because originally this was a law of mercy, You see, sometimes when people hurt somebody or do something to somebody, you don't just want to get even. You want to what? You want to get ahead. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all maybe not have the anger issues maybe that I have, right? Somebody does something to you. You just don't want to get even. You want to get ahead, right? And, and see, what, what the, why this is a law is a law of mercy is because he's saying, okay, if you've taken $1,000, then you should pay back. A thousand, not 10,000, but a thousand. You see, that's how it is. Somebody sues you for a thousand, what are you going to do? I'm going to sue them for a minute, million. I'm going to counter sue. All right? Because that's how we do it. 
And, and, and what Jesus and what the law of Moses is saying is, is literally entire tribes, entire civilizations have been wiped out because of blood feuds. Because somebody will do something and then it will escalate and then it will escalate again. And after a while, hundreds of people are dead because of somebody said, looked cross-eyed at somebody. And he says, no, the punishment must match the crime. That's what he's saying. Now, that's what the law of Moses is saying. But look what Jesus says. But he says, but I say, excuse me, excuse me, but I say, but I say, Jesus says, resist an evil person. Don't resist an evil person. And then Jesus gives three illustrations. All right, let's look at them. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, we're going to talk about what that looks like. Some of you say, somebody slaps me on the cheek, I'm going to go after him like Donkey Kong. All right? All right? Um, next illustration, if you're a suit in court and your shirt is taken from you, give him your coat too. That's the second one. And the third illustration, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Any soldier people want to say amen? Amen. All right. Give to those who ask and don't turn away for those who want to borrow. Now hear me, what Jesus is saying, and we're going to look at this in these three illustrations he gives, is that when we get hurt... Our first inclination is we want to retaliate, right? Somebody cuts you off, what do you want to do? You want to cut them off or you want to wave to them with not all your fingers, right? You want to do something. You want to get back at them. But Jesus is saying this, no, don't retaliate. Don't get ahead. There's something better than just retaliate. It's not, there's something better than revenge. And what we're going to be learning, it, it is forgiveness. There's another way. Let's look at those three illustrations. The first one. Jesus says, if, you're, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. What does that mean? You see, some people says, well, okay, if somebody hits you, you offer them that cheek. And if somebody hits you, you offer them that cheek. And if they hit you again, you go for the jugular, right? You kill them. That's not what Jesus is saying. Now, let me tell you, some people apply, well, you know what? You just never fight back. In fact, all through my middle school, high school years, if somebody wanted to get in a fight with me, that's kind of how I approached it. I'm just not going to fight back. But let me tell you, Jesus is not talking about self-defense here at all. In fact, I wish I would have known that when I was in middle school or high school. All right? I've always been a big kid. And you know, when you're 200 pounds in the sixth grade and all the other sixth graders are 50, I could have done some good stuff. I'm going to throw that out there, all right? But I'm working through it. This is counseling right here, all right? <clears throat> but Jesus is not talking about self-defense. He's not talking about not fighting back if you're in a dark alley and somebody approaches you. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about an insult. Now, let's break this down. In, if, if you're a right-handed person and somebody's standing in front of you, and it says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, what does that mean? W what are you slapping them with? A backhand, Right? And in that culture, the most insulting thing you could do to anyone, even beyond words, even by talking about somebody else's mama, all right, was slapping somebody on the backhand. In fact, what do we call this today? Come on now. See, I almost said it in church, all right? All right? I mean, seriously. I mean, we, we backhand, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, it, it, it takes somebody's dignity, right? It takes... It, there's all kinds of murmurings. Everything okay? I can't believe he, I don't can't believe the pastor knows that terminology. All right. Anyway, um, 
And so, I mean, it takes somebody's dignity. And, 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 it's, and just as it's offensive today in our culture, it was way more offensive in, in, in Jesus' culture. I mean, and what Jesus is saying is this. It's not talking about self-defense, but he is saying not getting back at someone when they've hurt your feelings or when you feel insulted. When you feel like your dignity has been taken away, don't retaliate. That's what he's saying. He's not saying you can't be a soldier, you can't be a policeman, or you can't if somebody does something to you, you know, you, you know that's not what he's saying here. He's saying don't not defend yourself. He's saying don't get back when somebody hurts your feelings. So when somebody calls you a name, what are you supposed to do? I'm going to call him a name back there, government, right? No. Jesus said, no, don't retaliate. If you get your feelings hurt, are you supposed to go and hurt their feelings? No. Jesus says, don't retaliate. All right? Don't retaliate. Another place in the Bible says, let God get back at them. You don't. All right? Now, let's look at the next illustration. It says this. Um, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, Give them your coat, too. Now, again, let me explain this a little bit. When somebody has wronged somebody, let's say somebody has stolen some money, and in that culture, you you would be taken to court, and if the judge says, okay, I'm sorry, you're guilty, you have to pay it back. But I'm sorry, judge, I don't have enough money to pay them back. Okay, well, we're going to seize all your assets, but we're also going to take your clothes, too. I mean, literally, they could take the clothes off your back to help pay for that debt. But the one thing they couldn't take off your back was your coat. Because everybody needs a coat. I mean, think about it. I mean, number one, if they, if they didn't take the coat, if they took the coat, they would be naked. Or if you're from the South, naked, which is very wrong. All right? But, I mean, so you, you could always keep your coat. Legally, you could keep your coat. Because they could not take that away from you. What Jesus is saying is here, no, if you've been taken to court and you have, if you have wronged somebody, then you are to go above and beyond. You are to go the extra mile to be able to make it right. That's what he's saying. And even though legally you don't have to give your code up, you give your code up if you have wronged somebody. You make it right. You make it right. In fact, I was in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. One thing they taught you in scouting is that you leave a place better than what you found it. Right? And that, it's that type of attitude. Right? Make it right. Make it right. Look at the third illustration. third illustration is this. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now, what is that all about? Because some of you, you're soldiers in here, and I, you got, I got your attention right now. Because when you go to PT, right, you're like, I want, you know, come on now. Where's Chris? He preached on this verse. I'm going to go get him out of bed. All right? Let me tell you, the Jews were a conquered people. There was a, they were conquered by a nation called Rome. And Romans had a law that says that if a soldier got tired, that they could pick a civilian. It doesn't matter who they are, anything. They could pick a civilian and they could give them their sack or their armor, or all of their stuff for them to carry for a mile while they rested as they continued on their march. Now, again, I have a friend who's a chaplain. He was a chaplain in Iron Rockasons before he PCS. And I remember he, he gave me his gear before he went to Iraq. He says, here, hold this. I said, okay, I can do that. You know, he gave it to me. And I went, oh. And I said, somebody help me. And, I mean, guys and ladies who, you know, you're in the military. I mean, you're, you're vest. I mean, I, it's just, I mean, it's just, and you go to Iraq or now you're going to Afghanistan and it's just hot 
And then you got all of this stuff on, and then you have the you have your rucksack. I ended up googling. I mean, what's the average you know pounds for a rucksack? And it was like 40, 50 pounds. You know, and I'm thinking, I mean, imagine that. So you're not only you're having to, and some of you said, I don't have to imagine it. I just got back. All right. But you're in 120 degree heat and you're wearing Kevlar, you're wearing your vest, you're wearing your backpack. And it's like, I wish I had somebody here to just carry this for me for a while. And that's what it was. And the Jews hated this law, hated it because at any time a Roman soldier could come up to a conquered people and say, hey, you carry my stuff for a mile. But Jesus is saying, no, I don't just carry it for a mile. Carry it for two miles. He's saying, I want you to have a go the second mile attitude. I want you to have that type of attitude that just goes the extra mile. And that's what he's talking about here. That's exactly what he's talking about. Now, how do you get rid of a root of bitterness? Because some of you are going, okay, Jesus is talking about bitterness. Okay, how do you get rid of this? I am a bitter person. My family has told me if I'm, I'm a bitter person. I have that hate plus anger equals bitterness. How do I get rid of it? Well, the first way you get rid of bitterness, just like a root, plucking dandelions is not going to do it. If I want to get dandelions out of my yard, I just can't pluck the dandelions. I have to get a spade and I got to do what? I got to dig it. I got to get a shovel. I got to dig those things out. And the first thing you got to do of get rid of root of bitterness is exposing it. You have to expose it. Because those roots are the lifeblood of that weed. And if you don't get, get rid of the root, it will always come back and produce fruit. Always. So you got to expose the root. you got to dig down. And for some of you, let me tell you what this means practically for your bitterness. You're going to have to go and talk this out with somebody. You're going to have to go to a counselor and you're going to have to sit, and sit down and talk them out. Now some of you, again, some of you burly husky guys, you're going, I ain't going to talk to nobody. And especially if you're in the military, you're like, I don't want to go and I don't want to get labeled. And I understand that. I do. Because it affects everything. It affects your career. But go, if you have to, go outside the military. But talk to someone. You have to. Because it's only when you start digging around and, oh, there's the root of it. Some of you, you're back from your second, third, fourth deployment and you're starting to get angrier and angrier and angrier and bitter and bitter and bitter. And let me tell you, you're going to continue getting that way until you get some help and getting some people around you to help expose that root. You've got to do that. If not, it's going to be as futile as you picking the tops off of a dandelion. Get to the root. Expose it. Bring some light onto it. Now, the second way is this. The second, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You expose it, but then you, and then he says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who harm you or persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Isn't that a crazy thought? Love your enemies? Come on. I mean, pray for people who hurt you? Come on, that's, that's dumb. Who are your enemies right now? Some of them, your enemy, may you may be sleeping next to him or her. Some of you, your enemy may be your next door neighbor because he borrowed your weed eater and he brought it back and it was busted, right? And you invited him to church today hoping that he would 
Come to know Jesus and buy you a new weed eater, right? You know I mean? Some of you, it may be a boss. It may be an ex-spouse. It may be a commander. It, who, whoever your enemy is. Jesus says, yes, you've got to expose that room. But secondly, you have to love. You've got to forgive. And that's it. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive them. You've got to forgive them. That's the key. Now, see, that sounds easy, doesn't it? That sounds like, oh, that's simple. It ain't easy a bit. Not at all. You've got to expose it. Martin Luther King, Jr., a pastor during the Civil Rights era. He pastored uh, uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. He says this about forgiveness and hatred and enemies. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We never get rid of an enemy by meeting hate with hate. We get rid of an enemy by loving and forgiving. You see, back in the 50s and 60s, a lot of people were racist. In fact, you know, there are a lot of racist people today. But in that day, I mean, everybody, there was a lot of white against black. And there were two, there were two ways to respond to that hatred. Malcolm X... He had the philosophy and the mentality, you know what, I'm going to meet hate with hate. I'm going to meet violence with violence. You strike my cheek, I'm going to come after your throat. Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor, he had this philosophy. You know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to defeat my enemy by making him my friend. And you know how you do that? By love. You know how you love an enemy? By forgiving. And amazingly enough, which one won out? It was Martin Luther King's view. Because anytime you meet hate with hate, you know what happens? It escalates. It escalates. But when you meet hate with love, it disarms. And that's exactly what Martin Luther King taught, that Jesus taught 2,000 years ago. So you got to expose it and you got to forgive it. Our big idea today is this. Forgiveness uproots bitterness. Let's all say that together. Forgiveness uproots bitterness. You want to get rid of a bitter root in your heart? Then you have to forgive. Now, you've got two options. Actually, you've got three. One thing is, you know what? Okay, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to ignore it. And anytime you ignore a root, you've got one dandelion that in a week is going to, produce 846 dandelions. That's just the fact. That's just the fact. I mean, I, I described to you our yard filled with dandelions. We have another problem with our yard is we have, we have tree roots from hell. We've got three trees in our yard with shallow roots. And we've been there about two years now. And I'm not even exaggerating. We have went through five push lawnmowers. Five. Why? Because of the tree roots. I'm going along, right? Oh, there goes another one. Chuck that one. I'll go and, hey, what's wrong with it? Oh, it's got a bent crankshaft. Good. Okay, good. Um, and then I'll go get another one, right? Because roots always are going to show up eventually. They're going to come to the surface. And you know what? The tree root doesn't just go in a three-foot radius of a tree, does it? It goes everywhere. 
everywhere. And that's how your bitterness is. And if you ignore it, it's going to go everywhere and it's going to damage and poison every one of your relationships. And you're going to go through a marriage and another marriage and another marriage and another marriage. And you're going to look back going, all of my wives, wives had the same problem. And all of your ex-wives going, yeah, I had the same problem. It was him. Right? Because maybe it's not the other person's fault. Maybe the problem is with you. Ding, ding, right? So don't ignore it. That's one option. Second option is this, is you can say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm just going to feed it. And you're going to feed it with hatred and you're going to feed it with revenge. And you know what? Some of you, I don't know the, the stuff that you've went through, but you've been harmed in a massive way. Somebody has taken away your innocence. Somebody has hurt you deeply. And you better believe God is angry about that. You better believe God is hurt by that. But here's what you're continuing to do. Something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you're continuing to play it back in your mind. And your bitterness is like drinking poison. You want to harm them, but who is it harming? Yourself. And you keep on feeding it with hatred. It's like pouring miracle grow on a bunch of dandelions. All right. Or the third option is you can forgive and you can pull that root. But forgiveness is only. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means that you say, OK, I'm not going to get back at them anymore. I'm going to release them, release, release them for all the pain that they've done to me. I, I'm not going to retaliate anymore. And you know how you help do that is you pray for them. Now, let me tell you what some of you praying for some of you for your enemies. This is how it looks like. God, I pray that you would give them an eternal case of hemorrhoids. That's how it, that's what you're praying. I'll pray for them, pastor. Yeah, I'll pray for them. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying and what I'm saying you should pray for is you would pray for God to change their heart because it's not just the actions. Where does it come from? You pray for the heart. You pray that God would bless them. And you better believe that's going to hurt. But you keep on praying it. And eventually, you're going to find out that that root of bitterness is going to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink until it's like, wow, I'm a different person. Because I'm not carrying around that weight. I want to go back to two verses before we end um, that I just kind of glanced over. The first one was in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, 14 and 15 says, see to it that no one misses the, what is that? Grace of God and, and that no bitter root. Let me tell you what grace is. Some of you are going grace. That's not, is that where you pray before the meal? Well, uh, kind of, but a little bit different. Grace is when God chose to love us even when we didn't deserve it. That God chose to forgive us even when we don't deserve it. And see, some of you, you just came back to church and you've been out of church for years. And you're like, you know, okay, I come to church on Easter and I'm good. All right? But you're not good. Because it's not coming to church that makes it right. Some of y'all are going, see, I've been telling that. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you're right, you don't. How you have to have that relationship with God is you have to pray to God. You have to come clean with all of your sins and all of your stuff. You ask him to forgive you. And you know what? He will forgive you. That's the great thing about Easter. Is that Jesus died on a cross. Why? Because of evil men? You betcha. But he knew it was coming. He willingly got on that cross because you and I had done some bad things. And for justice to win, it wasn't that God was just going to sweep all of those bad things under the rug. There had to be restitution made for justice to win. So God says, you know what? I'm going to send my one and only son because the penalty of sin 
is death. And Jesus got up on that cross and he died for you and me so that you and I can have forgiveness. But what's so cool is three days later on Sunday, guess what happened? He rose again. And he's saying, see, it worked for me and it can work for you because I had no sin. You've got sin. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of your sin on me so that I can give you all of my good stuff. And that is grace, people. And here's the thing. We miss the grace of God when God forgives us when we don't deserve it, but we don't forgive other people. We miss it. And we're eaten up with anger. So don't miss the grace of God. The second one is the very first verse we looked at. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness. Okay, great. That's helpful. Get rid of it. How do I do that? Look at the next verse, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. Now, what is that next word? Yeah, y'all didn't do a really good job on that. I'm going to have to ask you one more time. What was that next word? Forgiving. Forgiving. Now, forgiving one another like your mom forgave you? Forgiving one another maybe like your spouse forgave you after a couple times and after that, we're done? No, forgiving one another just as God. Now, how does God forgive? Does he just sweep it under the rug? God, through Christ has forgiven you. You see, the reason why Jesus died on the cross is so that God could forgive us. That is how we receive forgiveness. And as we close today, I just want to say, you may be here and finally for the first time, it is clicked. Okay, I am made right with God not by coming to a church, not by throwing money in an offering plate, not by going to Sunday school or this or that. I am made right with God Through Jesus Christ. That he forgives me, not because I try to be good, but he forgives me because of Jesus. And in a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity for you to pray and to begin that relationship with God right now. Now, for others of you, you have that relationship with Jesus, but you've missed it. You've missed the grace because you've allowed that bitterness in your heart. And you've got you've to forgive, guys, ladies. You have to forgive because it is killing you. It's like a cancer that's eating you up from the inside out. It's killing you. You have to forgive. Let's pray. Lord, for all of those here this morning, God, who so need the forgiveness that we have been talking about. They've tried a lot of different things. They've tried churches. They've tried religion. They've tried all of this stuff. And they still have that burden in their heart. They're still just weighed down. God, I pray that today that they would begin a relationship with you, Jesus Christ. And it begins, God, by acknowledging who we are And acknowledging who you are. We have to acknowledge who we are, that we are sinners. God's word says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. The Bible says that our penalty for our sin is death. That none of us deserve to be forgiven. None of us deserve to go to heaven. But that's what grace is, God. So, Lord, for those right now who want to begin that relationship with God, I pray that they would pray a prayer similar to this one. God, come into my heart. Come into my life. I know I've sinned. 
I know I've messed up big time. But Lord, I'm asking for your love to come and to cover it all over. And Lord, that you would make me right with you, God. That you would give me your forgiveness. Thank you for hearing my prayer, Jesus. It's in your name. Let me say this. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you have one of the bulletins, you have this on the bottom, there's a connect card. And I'm just going to ask you to be able to fill that out. We're not going to show up at your house, but I do want you to check that box. I began a relationship with Jesus. Because we want to be able to send you some material. We want somebody to get in touch with you via email and say, we're praying for you and show you that next step. So if you've, if you've done that today, make sure to do that. And in a minute, as the offering plate comes around, the bucket, you can throw that in. Secondly, before the band plays, is this. Is some of you right now, you still have that bitterness in your heart. And this is a step, but it's not the process. Some of you need to talk to someone about this. If you allow that darkness to keep on leaving that root underneath the soil of your heart and keep it secretive, it will continue to grow. And some of you, some of you, you've seen so much. You need to talk this out with someone. If that's a pastor, if that's a counselor, do that. Expose it. And then make the choice minute by minute, day by day. I forgive. I forgive. Let me pray for you right now. Dear God, I pray for those right now who are just struggling with forgiveness. Struggling with seeing too much. Going over to another country and just experiencing just a lot of horror that I can't even fathom to imagine, God. Lord, I pray for those who've been hurt by a spouse, who've been hurt by a parent. A trust has been broken. And Lord, there's been some just painful, painful stuff. God, I pray, Lord, that we would stop feeding that pain by bitterness. But Lord, that we would release it to you. That justice will be served one day. That you will get back. And you can. We can't. So we release that hurt. And I pray, God, that you would remove this cancer, this root of bitterness from our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.